This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr, along with Evan Novi williams and Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sport. Today, as runners gear up for the New York Marathon, we're speaking with the man behind the event, Michael Caparasso, the CEO and president of New York Roadrunners. That's coming up in a few minutes. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. And Scott, it looks like we'll run through this without Eben, but he will join us next for that interview. You would think he'll uh, be around. Uh, we like Edmund in on our interviews, but this is nice. It's cozier. Let's congratulate, first of all, the Washington Nationals for winning the World Series. How does nobody win at home? How does that happen? Home field advantage? Don't they know it's called home field advantage? This has never happened before in the uh, World no, Series. No, no. I mean, amazing. And how do you think? <laughs> I can't help. I can't help. I have to do it. How does Bryce Harper feel? <laughs> Price. He like, just rubbed that poor takes man's all nose. the money, goes to the Phillies, doesn't make the postseason, and here are the Nationals winning it all. Okay, moving right along. Uh, let's talk about Australian golfer Greg Norman joining Rob Gronkowski and others with a line of CBD-infused products. I, something tells me, I look at the age groups, I look at who's doing it, and I look at Norman of a certain age, now I'm looking at you, Bar, of a certain age. And you just get, it's like, you know, if you wake up wrong and the back hurts, the knee hurts, the weekend warrior. I think Greg Norman's talking to us. You're looking at me like anatomy of an accident, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's I, I have to admit, yes, I got one of those backs that bark. I've got those knees that bark. I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm not endorsing anything. I'm just wondering. Well, you can endorse. I mean, no one's paying to endorse, but you can endorse. And Gronk, by the way, you know, has now opened up a shop right outside of Gillette Stadium. Right outside. You know, Kraft gave him some valuable real estate for his CBD-infused product shop because NFL rules, it can't be inside the stadium. Right. So he's right outside. Like Gronk even said, like, if I could take CBD, I'd, I'd probably be playing again. He said that's what really helped his body. And are we ready for today's chuckle? I will ask you the question first, and then I will reveal the name. Did you know that Mike Tyson has a CBD-infused water line? Did you know this, first of <laughs> no, all? No, I did not I did know, not know this, this either. At all. Now let's take it to the chuckle of the week. I will give you 100,000 guesses the name of it. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, punch. No. I, I, that would be fine. You ready? I, I'm just going to tell you. You know, right. Mike had a little lisp, a little, you know, it's dwink. D-W-I-I-N-K. Mike Tyson has a CBD-infused water called dwink. Like, would you like to have a dwink of my water? I'm sorry. True story. I told you that we chuckle of the week. Oh, man. But a growth industry. A gro <laughs> so you've got Tyson. You've got Greg Norman, you've got Gronk, surely more on the way.
Dwink. Dwink. Uh, let's move along. Uh, talk about the possibility of Adidas or Adidas, wherever you are located in the world, looking to end its endorsement deal with Washington Wizards point guard John Wall. I think it's Adidas if you're talking about anything but soccer. If you're talking soccer, it should be Adidas. Okay. Okay. I'll the go three stripes. All right. This, again, you got you to gotta put up. So John Wall a few years ago was all-star, lighting it up, right? Right. Adidas Adidas signed him $25 million over five years. Good contract for, right. for John Wall, right? So you're less than two years in, and John Wall since that time has not seen a lot of the court. The Wizards are sort of a rebuilding club. Guess what? Now they're like, you know what? You want to measure? You're, you're big on the return on investment, right? The ROI? Yeah. What's the ROI been for Adidas on the John Wall sneaker? I, I will go for the center letter O. Yeah, yeah. There ain't been so much R on the I. Yeah. And finally, you know, I can't go throughout a show without talking about gambling. So let's dig into the news that MGM Resorts is putting together a partnership with Yahoo Sports. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this, bar because I'm wondering about the effectiveness. I mean, obviously, everybody has to be in it. But do you even know who the partnerships are anymore? So this is Yahoo, and we know Yahoo's part of Verizon. They're going to be offering sports betting in an exclusive deal with MGM. That'll be starting in November. So you can make bets on the Yahoo Sports app. What's the difference? Why do I care? Do I go to Yahoo? Do I go to Foxbet? Do I go to FanDuel? What's pulling me in here? What's pulling you well, in? You do, you're better at this world than I am. What's pulling you in? Here's a major reason, okay. because you're looking at the VIG. And uh, let me give you an example. PointsBet, which is another startup, they have uh, a 105 line with relatively even money bet if you're mm. going over and under for you it's the actual bet it's, it's the, the actual it's what bet. the return okay. FanDuel is a is 110 so now you're talking a five dollar difference okay. and if you bet enough that goes so a long you don't way. care about the brand it's not going to be oh well it's mgm or it's fox no. better you don't care about the brand you're actually going to do the homework see the offerings and wherever you can i'm i'm looking game. i'm looking at right. the 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 VIG, I'm looking at, well, where's the point spread here or there? Okay, I got so, it. Now let's get to this week's interview. As runners gear up for the New York Marathon, we're speaking with the man behind the event, Michael Caparasso, the CEO and president of New York Roadrunners. Michael, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Do you walk over, run over, car over? How do you get here? Um, we took the subway over, Oh, actually. come on! But but I came off of a workout this morning, all and right, a big right. week out of, of running, big weekend of running, so uh, I, I think I covered it. Yeah. We, we are approaching the marathon. The question I always have is, because I used to live right here, so I'd watch the preparations, specifically all the stands going up, and it looked to me to be plug-and-play, because it had been done so many times. Is it plug-and-play, or are there still surprises that pop up along the way? Well, the fact that the, that most people feel that way is actually a good thing, right? Because as an organization, you want to have something that looks that way. But but one of the things we always say is we don't own a stadium or an arena like most sports organizations do. We're popping up a 26-mile race somewhat overnight or at least over the week. So there's always something that comes up. There's always some surprises. Um, but we have an amazing team at New York Roadrunners, and we work really closely with the city of New York. Hey, this is new this year. Wasn't there last year? We've got to figure it out and kind of pull it off to come all together. What's well, an example of something that pops up that you know your your standard person listening at home who understands how marathons would never work, know. but would Can, never you know, think like about me. construction, yeah. <laughs> roadway, roadway changes, things like that. You know, new new uh, changes to a street or something like that. A handful of years ago, there was a change in Brooklyn based on something. We had to change the course and add some more space up in the Bronx to make it work. So. 
year in and year out, it changes. We have a team that actually did a bike ride this past weekend of the course. And what we do is we go ahead and we look at all the areas and we see if there's anything we've got to work with the city with to try to make sure that we're covered for that. So, so it could be anything. If you make a change like that, who's responsible for making sure that it's 26.2? Uh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> not me. Is that what, I assume that would yeah. be really bad if at the end you're like, like <laughs> yeah. somebody goes and retraces. It's actually 26.3. Yeah. Uh, no, we have a team that does measurement and then it gets certified um, so that it is the, the certified distance for in order to be a marathon course. So that, that would be it for sure. Uh, for people like me who uh, train watching TV. Do we, do we TV, just say non-runners? Yeah, non-runners, <laughs> yes. It is obvious, it's very exciting watching it on TV because there's a lot of training involved. But it, for somebody like me who, who needs a refresher course on what it takes to train for a marathon like this, can you take us through that? Sure. And is this because is this for you for next year, maybe? <laughs> yeah, right. Ne- next <laughs> year, commitment on this. I would pay to see <laughs> that. Commitment you could have air. your own reality show, the training of Michael Barr. Well, you know we, that would be good. We've <laughs> wanted to do a reality show and someone training for the marathon. You could be actually the perfect person. Next year, we'll be celebrating our fiftieth marathon, fiftieth right. year of the New York City Marathon. So it would be perfect for you to come and do it, Michael. Barr, but Barr, really? how do you not do this? You know, th- now that's an invite. It's hard to turn down. Yes. How do you not get this done? Now, now well, I, obviously. There's a different diet that that I have right now that I can't have. Listen, there there are, there, are, there are lots of ways to go about this, right? For people who want to get to that start line and get to the finish line, there are some pretty basic training plans to get you up and going. Going from walking to running maybe a 5K and then going beyond there. We have a lot of training plans that we do with people in person and virtual training. Um, and we get a lot of people to that finish line and that start line who could never have imagined running a marathon before. And you could be one of them, Michael. I, I'm. You know what, man? This this is intriguing. I'll get those smirks off your faces, both I, of them. I, I want to see it happen. I want to see it happen. <laughs> Next year's show in memoriam for Michael Barr. <laughs> No, but it's, you know, one of the many great things, and I love it. Um, I've actually run the New York City Marathon. This will be my 28th year in a row. Um, But I love and am so inspired by those folks that thought, you know, something, I can never do it. But I was watching it last year. I was standing on the street, and someone in my family ran. And this year, I wanted to come back and run it. And they went on the training, and they ran it. What's your favorite part of the course? So many people talk about coming off the Queensboro Bridge and making that right turn up first. Um, I I have uh, three parts. Number one, when you're standing on the Verrazano Bridge, it is absolutely amazing. I mean, you can see the skyline of Manhattan. It is just epic, and it's really incredible. Number two, when you come off of that 59th Street Bridge and you come around onto First Avenue, it is just a sea of people. It is like being in a stadium. Um, and when you cross that finish line in Central Park, it is just absolutely incredible. Obviously, you're done, so you're excited. Yeah, stop running but it, now. But it really is beautiful, and you have such an amazing feeling. I get goosebumps just talking about it. So you're running the marathon this year. Yes. Are you? Is there a, a wireless headset that you have just in case a decision needs to get made? Yes. How, how does that process work? Yes. Um, um, so I, I am. I have actually have a bike spotter that goes along with me as well. Okay. Um, I do this thing. We we uh, have people who wear these things called performance metrics, and we track people and how they're doing. So actually, everyone watching on television uh, on ESPN can see. Uh, my performance along with nine other folks who are probably much better shape than I am. Um, so because of this performance metric, we also have a bike spotter who rides alongside of me. So if anything comes up, I'm there and can be it. But that said, we have an amazing group of people. Uh, race director Jim Heim oversees all the operation and everything and is one of those people that says, you better be running this year because I've got it all under control. And if we need you, we'll get you. You brought up a good point about the, the data is that now, especially with uh, the elite runners, is that are we going to see the day where we see the data from the elite runners right on TV? We see more and more of it. We have some of the folks who are who are um, just 
kind of right below the elite level. Actually, we may have one or two in the elite folks who wear it, but we see a lot of data and more and more every year. Um, we do the stuff with ESPN, the sports science stuff, and we track all the data. We also, this year, actually, our app, our T6 Newson Marathon app, has going to track people every mile. So you're going to be able to follow your runners every mile. I was so going to say, for me, that seems like the most important thing because, yeah. again, I told you I used to live right near the end. Yeah. I see all the people you're just waiting out there, waiting to see your friend, your loved one, whoever yeah. it is. I, it'll be about this yes. time. You had no idea where they were on the course. Now you can sit, look at your phone and yeah. say, up, oh, they've passed the beacon. They'll be here soon. Yeah, no, that that's definitely been amazing. It's a game changer for everyone who's watching it. Um, but you're going to be able to see every mile this year, which is new. We used to do just on the 5K, 10K and th- stuff like that. And it gives you the predicted finish of people. So if you want to go and meet them in the family reunion area, um, it's really made such a difference. But it's part of, you know, making if you're a spectator, you want it to be really engaging. We want to be entertaining to people. And you're watching people on that app and you're tracking them along the course. It's really a lot of fun. I would like to see on as you see it, and I'm sure you have the dots that you see on TV where like everybody's being tracked. At what point? <laughs> I hate to sound like here I am, degenerate gambler, but are the, we going to show s- listeners know who you are? Yeah, right they now. know who I am. <laughs> that old bookie bar here. Are we going to see that one day? Where are you going to see gambling in the marathon? You know, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. If you probably are maybe a little more versed on this than I am. <laughs> I would bet it's uh, happening already. I bet somebody's yeah, already yeah, doing it. It's yeah. happening already yeah. in some capacity. I, 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 don't, I don't know for sure. I mean, we're seeing it in all sports, certainly. So who knows at some point it could be. Um, I know that my family is awfully gambling on what time I'm going to finish. So I don't know if that's going to get anything. But. <laughs> and Michael, all America or most Americans, I think, know the New York City Marathon. Uh, it's a huge event, one of the biggest ones in the U.S. in on the calendar. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe don't know that you know the the breadth of everything else that you guys do as a business, right? The marathon is just one of, I mean, correct me, 60, 70, 80 races that, that you guys put on every year. From a business perspective, how important financially is this one massive race versus kind of all the other half marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks, one-mile races that you guys do and get entry fees for? The uh, the the sum of of, the, of the, all the parts is really great, but the marathon is a big part of that for sure. It is a big part of our impact. Um, it's a big part of our revenue. Uh, it's a big part of our reach. And what it does as much as anything is it actually gets people into the funnel to then go and do mm. a lot of those other races. And we've launched recently a number of virtual products, including virtual racing. So basically people who don't even live here in the city can run with us in these virtual races all around the world. So the impact that we get and the revenue that's generated is important, but it's also the connectivity to people that then are going to come and run the marathon. They can then go home and run one of our virtual races as well or do virtual training with us. So what it's having now is such a halo effect that, you know, for many years when we didn't have these digital products, we couldn't get. Now we can really take advantage of people from all over the world because of the platform of the marathon. Is that a Peloton-inspired thing, sort of like this virtual training? You know, we've been doing virtual training for about eight or nine years at this point. You should have had a yes. bike and a fitness class. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, well, you can do it now on an app. We're actually partners with Strava, so you can actually uh, run and track your um, run on Strava and connect to our virtual races through Strava. We have this year is the second year we have a number of people running the TCS New York Marathon virtually. So last year there were 500 people that signed up to run virtually, and as part of that last year they got a guaranteed entry to this year. So this year we've got maybe double or triple of that around the world. So really what it's doing is it's enabling us kind of broaden our reach and bring people kind of into the fold, and it's pretty darn cool. Some people ran their first ever marathon virtually. Hear that, Michael? Yeah. So maybe you know next year. I, 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 that's intriguing to me because I could I could go home. I live in the Poconos, and I can run in the New York City Marathon 
with the virtual app. Now, you got to understand because, you know, my idea of technology is old Zenith black and white TV. And we get it now into virtual uh, areas where I can go New York, I could do Boston, I could do any of these marathons. It's pretty cool. It really is amazing. And, and you know, the use of generated content from this that you see on social media is amazing. I always say runners, and, and you know this, want to do two things, right? They want to run and they want to talk about running, right? <laughs> so basically everyone will go out and they'll run wherever they are around the world, and then all of a sudden they're posting about it in social media, uh, which is really great. And it's a great community that's kind of come up around that's, the world. That's from this. the big word you just said. And sport yeah. in general is community. Yeah. But how can you monetize the community? Where where's the the projected arc of New York Roadrunners revenue? How how do we, you know, put a few more ducats into the coffers. So so we kind of had three ways in which we impact people. The in-person races, we put on a lot of free youth and community programs here in the city and in the schools with the kids. And the third are kind of our products. So the growth for us really is in digital products. The more that we can offer people to train virtually with us uh, or run races virtually with us, that's really growth because we're impacting people and we're generating revenue. So it just kind of completes the cycle. So revenue right now, I think, is around $100 million a year. Uh, what? How big is the digital piece as we, as we sit here, digital right piece now. at this point is a small portion of it, a low yeah. single digit percentages. But but if we look at our growth over the next five plus years, that's going to grow and become double digits and beyond. Um, but again, the thing is that's going to drive people to the other things. We have a really nice ecosystem of getting people in person and now digitally and virtually that we didn't have for many years. So it really does increase our, our impact and our growth. I think one of the one of the most brilliant things that you guys do, the, the 9 plus 1 system, um, which we should talk about, and, and for folks who don't know, you know, runners who want to run the New York City Marathon can get guaranteed entry if they do nine races with New York Red Runners one year and also volunteer for one, uh, and then the next year they get that entrance. I actually volunteered at, at one of the marathon training, training runs uh, a couple months ago, and I, everybody who was there volunteered. There were 25 people at my water station. Everyone there was doing nine plus one. Yeah. So you get people doing the races, running them. There's entry fees there. They're also committing their time to helping staff races that they're not running. It seems like a really nice way to keep people involved in the ecosystem. What a show off. It's, what a it's, show. <laughs> we know you run really far, Evan. <laughs> no, I didn't even mention my own running. Yeah, was, I mentioned my volunteering. We, we haven't covered that yet. But no, it's, it's really cool. I mean, to some way, it's a little bit of a loyalty program in a way, right? People, yeah. they're going to run nine races with us. They're going to volunteer once, give back to the community. People do those volunteers in parks and in schools as well, too. Uh, but it really gets you engaged. And then when you look at the calendar, it really gives you an opportunity to kind of pick the races you're going to run and be engaged with us. Who can you partner with that can help you in these endeavors? A lot of the Nikes, Under Armors are heavy into tech and fitness. How can they help you, and what kind of partnerships can we expect? Yeah, it's great. So New Balance is our partner, have been for a handful of years and will be, in, and are really into this space as well. I have a partnership with Strava. We actually were up meeting with them last week and talking about some things we can do, loyalty programs and things like that. Um, other partnerships that are really in you know, media companies would be really great because we know a lot of people out there want to get healthy and fit, and we can offer a partnership with them in order to get exposure for that. Um, we have travel companies that work with us for the marathon. Um, and I think over time, it's going to become kind of cities that really want to get their community community moving can have New York Roadrunners engage their community virtually. And that's a really, I think, a great concept for us for the future. Let me switch a little gear. So Elliot Kipchoge runs 26.2 in less than two hours. That's insane. I don't care what he's wearing on his feet. What It's just, it's unbelievable. We've discussed that on the show. But there is some controversy surrounding the Nike shoe. Your take on whether it's enough of a performance enhancer where it should or should not be allowed to qualify for usage. You know, it's interesting. There was a good article in the New York Times the other day uh, about this as well. Um, you know, 
I, I don't run in Nike. I run in New Balance. So I couldn't tell you, you for sure. I couldn't tell you for sure if there's an advantage or not. And I think we see this in a lot of sports, right? One of the, one of the things that was quoted in the article was what happened with swimming a handful of years ago, where they had the Speed suits, suits. Yep. and those kinds of things. And I think we're always going to see that they're looking to kind of push to the next place when it comes to performance, whatever that might be. Um, and this is just another case of that. I think it'll play itself out, and I think that kind of the governing bodies will look at it and determine what's best for the sport, as we've done with all of the other things in sports. And I think this is going to be one of the cases where that happens. What about sure. what kind of promotion just the sport itself get with the accomplishment? The reality is anything that actually I think overall shines a light. And obviously, you want more of a positive light for a sport is really good. But we're happy to see people engage in running. We're happy to see them talk about running. Um, and I think it's a really cool thing when people look at you know what's happening in running and the fact that it actually transcends, which running doesn't always do as a sport. It's hard to cut through. Yeah, it is. But it's in some ways it's such a global sport. Um, we have people from every country that come here to run the TCS New York City Marathon. <clears throat> Not a lot of sports can say that that engagement goes year-round around the country, around the world. Going back to the shoes real <clears throat> quick, the, the comparison with the with, with that Speedo suit, I think, is very interesting. And, and, you know, about 10 years ago, the governing bodies for swimming drew a line in the sand about what a swimming suit, swimsuit could look like and what it could be made of. If the IAAF, the International Track Federation, goes the other way with shoes and essentially says everything is fair game as long as there's not a motor in it. Does that unleash a technological sneaker war that, that you think is good good for running? Is Are there dangers in getting to a place now where at New Balance, Nike, Adidas are just, you know, they can do whatever they want in, in shoes as long as they're not putting a motor in it? Yeah, I don't know. Hard, hard to predict what will happen on that. I think that so much is, look, we never thought that what we get now from performance technology would have back, you know, 20, 30 years ago would weigh so much into having advantage for people. And I think it's the same thing with gear, right? We keep seeing that. You see it in many sports. You see it in in, in how people are, are, are doing better with their training for it. I think that this is one of those things that we're just going to have to see how it plays out, to be honest with you. And it's not dodging it. I, I just don't yeah. know. I don't know for sure what, what's going to happen in something like this. The same way, I guess, when I first saw that, what did you think when you first saw that suit back then, the swimsuit? I thought it looked cool. Right. But <laughs> did you did you know where, I mean, did you think that they would eventually say, you know. No, when, I didn't. When I saw the yeah. times being put up, you had a funny feeling that somebody might say, no, 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 this is yeah. not okay. Hard to say for sure. I mean, I think I think they've got to look at that stuff, and, and I know that they will. I, have, I would like to ask Michael, and I'd like to ask Evan, because both of you guys do this on a super high level. Hello, is uh, this uh, thing on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott. Because <laughs> we saw your times in the New York Marathon last year. Dude, um, anytime you want to go outside and do a mile lap, I'm ready. Hey, man, I, I, I'm not even going to try that contest. But I would like to ask, I mean, it's it, do you get up? I mean, you have to love it. But do you get up sometimes and say, oh, I got to drink the beet and celery juice, and then I got to go out in the cold, and I got to do all this? Are there times where it's like, okay, I've really got to motivate myself? You answer that first. Yeah, you, you, yeah I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a beet and celery juice uh, drinker. <laughs> I, I, do, I do love running, and it's, it's why I do it. But, yeah, there are certainly there are days that, you know, it's too cold or you, you don't want to get up, and, yeah. you know, part of— I think the part of the reason why I sign up for races a year in advance is that I have like that motivation sitting in front of me. I think if I did not have a race on the calendar, it would be harder on a December morning to get up and run. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I 
rarely ever say, God, I got to do this. I always think, boy, I'm excited to do this. And I think I'm fortunate. I mean, look, we all have passions about things, right? This is one of those things that when you're that passionate about it, you really want to do it. So getting up and running and going out and running or going and training, I I love doing it all. The cold weather, I'll admit, sometimes (laughs) I think to myself, I don't know. But but I really think it's great. I get the physical as well as the mental kind of aspect. If you go to Central Park early, like I said, I used to live near this. I'd walk into the park early on the weekends. It's amazing the like-mindedness of the people yeah. you go to Central Park pre-6 a.m. And it's amazing just the like-mindedness and the motivation you see on all these folks. And again, they have their own community. It's the same dog walkers. It's the same runners, bikers. It's every day you see the same folks. Yeah, I think for some, it's interesting, too, because people think, oh, gosh, you're running. You must be you know, nuts about. But any sport or any activity or anything that you really have a hobby for, you usually get in deep on it. Uh, this past weekend, I ran the last 10 miles of the TCS New York Marathon course. A lot of people do it to train for the race. The amount of people that were out there. Um, it wasn't quite the 52,000 that we have on Marathon Day. It was amazing how many people are running up First Avenue, up through the Bronx, back around into Central Park and finishing at the finish line. There were cheer zones, cheer zones of people and water stations set up just because people knew other people would be out there doing it. So there's a real community around it that's really great and inspiring. And we're chatting with Michael Caparasso, CEO of the New York Roadrunners. One thing I see in your bio is your, one of your core tenants is customer service. Do you, I mean, obviously you're dealing with other businesses in your everyday life. Is that an overlooked piece of the puzzle oftentimes, that that sort of focus on the customer? I think that in any business you're in, if it's not the number one thing you're thinking about, um, I think you're missing the boat on it. I really believe that sometimes as you continue to grow, you sometimes you take your eye off of that. So I am really adamant about that, and we've we've really gotten into it in the deep end. I get in all the time because I do all the stuff myself. I'm one of those people that's in there handing out T-shirts, handing out bibs, helping people, meeting them at the finish line. I'll do any of those things. It's almost news these days when I see CEOs, if they're doing some sort of manual labor or getting down in dirty in the weeds. And it's like, wow, well, look at this guy. Look at this CEO, this man or woman. What a great... It, it should be par for the court. I think it's so critical to any organization's success that everyone there really understands what the customer is going through all the time. It doesn't mean you have to run a marathon, right? And it doesn't mean you have to go out and run all the time, but you really have to be connected or engaged to understand what's happening. And especially in this day and age with social media, people think they're engaged by just looking on social media. That's one aspect of it. But if you're not out there really hands-on doing things, I think that you're not really getting the real truth experience. And I think it's really critical. A number of years ago, there was a a massive tragedy, obviously, at the Boston Marathon, a pair of bombings up there. How I'm curious if that did that event fundamentally change the business of operating marathons forever? I I, I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, to some degree, I think it changed every everything where you have participants and spectators, um, for sure. And I think it continues just to put us on on the highest alert. Um, we work very closely with New York City and NYPD here to make sure that we're putting on the safest event around. But you see anywhere in any sports you know arena you've gone to or anything, it continues to just heighten the kind of the, the level of that. And and that's kind of it changed a lot of things. But you know we we always constantly evolving in this area. All right, that's Michael Caparasso, CEO of the New York Roadrunners. Uh, we got to run. See what I did there? <laughs> I love that. Oh, you're Thank funny. you. Oh, Flash. Oh, Michael, up. last time, you better, <laughs> yeah. better join us next year. There we I'm go. A, I hope so. I hope I can. Thank, Thank you, guys. You, Appreciate it. 
Michael has given me a challenge. Michael who? Michael Caparasso. Oh, yes. He has given me a challenge. And, boy, I have to really think about I this. I would wager that you do not accept his invitation to train for a year under their tutelage to run next year's marathon. Well, first of all, I have to lose weight. No. Yeah, I know. This felt body, you well, really thought. Well, the problem is, you know what the problem is? The camera adds 10 pounds, and they've got a few cameras on us in here. Well, then I must We're be, not simulcast, I but must the cameras be 722 are. <laughs> pounds, man. I, this, this is I hard. Could, I could stand to lose an LB or two myself. Anyway, on this interview, yeah. I am struck by the number of people who are virtually doing marathons. I didn't know this goes on. Again, if you're in the community, you get it. And I know Peloton is all in and people are doing fitness classes digitally. I get it. But like to run the virtual marathon and the digital opportunities for the New York Roadrunners Club to, to add revenue uh, to top maybe $100 million and push them over and the people who are signing up, remarkable. I just didn't know it was happening. And just there's an, another use and another way technology is changing sport. You know what, by the way, I, I'm going to put on my Twitter page, yes or no, if I should do this marathon. All right. I mean, that'll be the question. I look forward to the three to and two majority. <laughs> Sorry. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Uh, number of the week. Since we've been talking baseball, World Series wins and all that. New York Yankees, number one, with 27 wins. The second on the list is 11. Yeah, who's got who's Which got team 11? is that? Ooh, who's got 11 World Series behind? Uh, I don't know. Who's got, who's got 11? I don't know. I have no idea. Who wins a lot of World Series? Oh, St. Louis. Oh, I should have said the Cardinals, yeah. Yeah, Cardinals. But you, okay. you know, kind of have to go back a little bit. But yeah. yeah, that's so, okay. Followed by the Boston Red Sox with nine. All right. So, I like it. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week for you at the same time. Plus online, wherever you get your podcast, you can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You are listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. 